Welcome to All Saints Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. Our desire for you as you listen is to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit as we read the scriptures and to mobilize to actively bring God's kingdom to the earth. For more information on who we are, visit allsaintsokc.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at ACCOKC. And so the message this week is entitled Heavenly Treasure. And uh, Heavenly Treasure is taken out of Matthew 6, verse 20. Uh, there's the kind of the, just a little summary of it, but here's the full passage. And it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And so I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Not another sermon on giving. Really? Maybe you, feel a bit, maybe you feel a little bit like this guy. Now that you know what the sermon's about. Your throat's getting a little tight. The guys in the, here in the crowd feel the need to reach back and make sure you still got your wallet in your back pocket. We haven't taken it away secretly. I especially feel sorry for anyone who's attending here for the first time. Man, the worship was great. Gosh, everyone was so nice during this greeting time. And now this. Is this one of those churches that every time we come, they ask, ask for more money? Man, I hope not. Well, I think you can relax. I think the last time there was a sermon on giving was over seven years ago. And I gave it. <laughs> So if you can survive the next 30 minutes, and you'll be in the clear for a while. So I hope you feel like this. This is Josie, my granddaughter. So I hope that by the end of this sermon, at the end of this sermon, that you feel like maybe you had this IRS audit going on for a while, and now it's over, and they send you this letter that says, you paid too much. And it includes a big refund check. Or maybe you'll feel like this guy full of wonderment about how great God is. This is my grandson, Carter. So hang on, we're going to read some scriptures with some outrageous promises from God. One of them's speaking through a prophet, an Old Testament prophet, uh, from Jesus and from the Apostle Paul on the wonderful things that can happen when you give. So here we go, I hope. <laughs> all right, first of all, what, what, when we talk about laying up treasure in heaven... What is it? Well, it's giving money and assets and time to, of course, the local church, the poor, and other kingdom work that is doing the, the work of the kingdom. So you might say, why would you want to do it? What would be the reasons for doing it? Well, there's a bunch. First of all, you get tremendous blessings. In Malachi 3.10, it says, test me in this, says the Lord. And see if I will not, and listen to this, throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot, isn't it? So think about that for a second. In fact, let's just close our eyes for a second and just envision the floodgates of heaven 
opening up over you and you getting blessed so much. The blessings of heaven, and that's, that's money, but it's also more than money. It's all sorts of other blessings from God, healing and joy and love. and Think about them pouring over you, and they're pouring over you so much that you don't even have room for it. It's crazy. That's what God has promised. So another reason you want to do it is it helps you acknowledge and remember the source of what you have. You know, in Deuteronomy 8.17, it says, You may say to yourself, My power and my strength of my hands have produced this wealth that I've created. But in verse 18, it says, But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Helps us remember. It's also, of course, commanded by God many, many times in the Bible. Luke 6.38 is one. Give, and it will be given to you. It's also in Malachi 8, it's, if you don't give, it's akin to robbing from God. And it says, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me, that's what the Lord is saying. But you ask, how do we rob you? And the Lord says, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Another reason you want to give is it helps break the love of money. In 1 Timothy 6.10, it says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and that many people eager for it have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And in Matthew 6.21, it says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Another reason? It rebukes the devourer. Again, back in Malachi 3.11, it says, if you give tithes and offerings, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. So we think, what is the devourer? Well, the devourer could be a natural or supernatural force or forces that come against your wealth or your well-being. And so having it rebuked, held at bay by God, is, is of course an incredible benefit. It's something we all will want. Some other reasons why we would want to do this. You know, this is the only time in Scripture that we are invited to test God. In Malachi 3.10, again, it says, test me in this. So, you know, when Jesus was tempted by the devil and uh, he was taken up to the temple roof, he was tempted by Satan to jump off the roof of the temple, and he quoted Deuteronomy 6.16, which he said, do not test the Lord or do not tempt the Lord. But there is one exception to this rule, and it has to do with giving. We're invited to test God. And I have two stories this morning about people who tested God with their offerings. And the two testimonies couldn't be any more different from one another. But they're both great examples of what that looks like. So the first one is one I just heard this morning for the first time in my life, and it, and it was a testimony from my wife. I've been married to her now for 41 years, and I'd never heard this story before. We were drinking coffee this morning, and she told it to me. One time when she was a little girl, um, she was at church in their little Mennonite church, and it was the week where the children got up in the choir, and they had a children's choir. So she was up there in the choir loft, and it was time for the offering. And as the offering plate was coming towards her, she heard this voice say, 
give everything you have in your purse. And she opened up her purse and looked at that money. It was all the money she had. And she gave it all in the offering plate. And she just started crying, she said. Crying with joy that she was able to give everything she had to the Lord. And you might say, well, what did she, did anything happen in her life that she can point to from that? No. Nothing to point to except a memory over 50 years later that still brings tears to her eyes and mine when there was a pointing in her life when she obeyed God and gave him every, every coin that she had in her possession. So here's another story. And uh, you guys ever remember the movie Dragnet? Or not the movie, but the TV show Dragnet? I used to watch it every, every day after school. It kind of starts out, dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. And it says, the story you hear, you're about to hear, is true. But the names have been changed to protect the innocent. So, we're going to change the names of who this is, this story is about. But these are friends of mine, and I actually interviewed them yesterday. And we decided we're not going to say who their actual names are, just so that they don't draw more attention and glory to themselves than they should. So, we're going to call them Jim and Sally, Okay. So Jim and Sally had always tried to be generous. However, as the years went by and they became more financially secure, giving had started becoming kind of just one of those things that you do, and it really wasn't very sacrificial in nature. Recently, however, their financial condition had started to deteriorate. They had moved into a house which had subsequently flooded, and that, along with some other unforeseen events, had been very costly financially. Also, work was not going well for Jim. He had lost his second biggest client, and his other compensation had been subpar for the previous two or three years. This had resulted in a cut in his base pay, and he had received no bonuses for several years. One night, Sally was awakened with a jolt and sensed the Lord saying in a loud, ringing voice, Test me in this. Well, she told Jim, he is saying, test me. I know that's in the Bible somewhere. Where is it? Well, Jim knew that it was from the book of Malachi and that it was talking about giving. So they read Malachi chapter 3 together, and they felt like they demanded a response. They had a choice whether to trust God or not. But not trusting him was a very terrifying thought, given the experience that she'd had in the night. So they read it and prayed. They had been giving, but they felt like that it was an invitation to give in a way that would really cost them. Giving in a way that took a lot of faith. Sally started getting the feeling that they should give an amount that was, as she put it, scary. So after discussing it, they decided that what felt scary for them was to give away Jim's entire base salary for a year, which was everything that they knew that they would have coming in every month. Jim hadn't had a bonus in three years. His base salary had gone down. Their expenses were increasing. They were already dipping into savings every month to pay bills, even before they started to give like this. But they obeyed, 
and started to give their entire salary away every month. Well, then, as they said, the fun started. (laughs) As they started giving away every month, the Holy Spirit started showing them that they hadn't really been trusting God with their money. He started showing them that over time, they had started putting their trust in their investment balances. As long as the balance was at a certain amount, they felt like they were okay. But if it ever went below that, they started worrying. And it was God was showing them how ridiculous it was for them to put their trust in something like that. So as they started understanding that, they began praying for God's provision and, and putting their trust in Him and Him alone. And when they started giving more than they thought they could, it helped them center once again on God as their provider. It was scary, but it was really fun. They didn't tell anyone for nine months what they were doing because they thought people would tell them they were crazy. (laughs) Well, it started a fire into what was possible with God for them. Every month they would ask God who to give to. They were able to get involved in different groups and seeing how Tools like money can help refugees and the foster care system and different things. Then about six months into the year, Jim realized that he was on track for his biggest year ever at work. Things had started exploding at both work and in his personal investment portfolio. One week, his personal investments returned one and a half times his base salary that he had decided to give away in one week which had never happened before. They began to realize that something supernatural was going on. They were beginning a new adventure with the Holy Spirit. They were tapping into a kingdom economy that works very differently than the world's economy. So a few months ago, the year ended. And Jim, sure enough, had his biggest year ever. He got a big bonus. And his personal investment returns returned multiples of the base salary that they had decided to give away. Also, this increase that he had bled into the accounts of other people that he managed. So the blessing was far beyond anything they could have ever conceived. Jim and Sally were excited about continuing their, quote, scary giving in the future as they partnered with the Holy Spirit in the kingdom economy. And also, as an ancillary blessing, God was putting on their hearts to be fruitful in other ways. So now they're expecting a baby boy in April, and they're going to call him Malachi. Sally asked me to say this from them. I hope our story inspires and encourages you to say yes to whatever adventure the Holy Spirit is stirring in your heart. The adventure with God is so fun, whether it is an adventure involving money or something else, putting yourself in a place of stepping out in trust and faith, is so worth it. Isn't that a crazy story? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for that. Okay, so we're invited to test God. Another reason why we might want to do it is there's a guaranteed return. You know, it says in Mark 10.38 that moth and rust will not destroy. The thief can't get into it. You know, when we lay up heavenly treasure, it's inflation-resistant. It's recession-resistant. It's unaffected by market downturns like we had last week. And Jesus, in in one passage, guaranteed a 10,000% return. 
And we'll talk about that a little bit more in, in a minute. And he promised that in this life, not just in the, in the heavenly realms. Another reason why we want to give God is give to God and lay up heavenly treasure is it gets God's attention. You remember the story of Cornelius, the very first Gentile convert? He was, in Acts 10, he was sitting there one, one afternoon and an angel visited him and said, Cornelius. He said, what is it, Lord? He said, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. So our, our gifts to the poor, our, our giving, it's, like, it's almost like an aroma that comes up and, and uh, gets God's attention. And then lastly, it's investing for the long term. You know, someone said you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. <laughs> when you hear the phrase investing for the long term, most people think about, you know, putting money away for the future, like maybe during your retirement years when you're 65, 70, whatever. But what about the years after that? What about years 100 through 200 through 500,000 through 1 billion? Because we have eternity ahead of us. Could you invest in that? Well, yes, you can, and you should. Some of you may say, well, isn't tithing old covenant you know, isn't that an old covenant concept? You know, aren't we kind of removed from that? And, you know, the, the verses on tithing specifically are in the Old Testament. Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe in the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And so the specific tithe, which is 10%, that's what tithe means, is in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, it kind of replaces specific, specific amounts with kind of your attitude. You're supposed to give cheerfully, generously, and freely. But Jesus does affirm tithing in a way in the New Testament. In Matthew 23, 23, uh, he was talking to the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. He says, you give a tenth of your spices, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, which is justice and mercy and faithfulness. And you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So in that way, he affirms tithing in the New Testament. But the other thing is... And if you want to compare the Old Covenant and the New Covenant and just kind of think about the differences between them, Paul talks about that in 2 Corinthians 3. And he says, he has enabled us to be ministers of his New Covenant. And this is a covenant not of written laws, but of the Spirit. The Old Written Covenant ends in death, but under the New Covenant, the Spirit gives life. The Old Way, with laws etched in stone, led to death. Though it began with such glory that the people of Israel couldn't even bear to look at Moses' face. For his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? If the old way, which brings condemnation, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way, which makes us right with God? And in fact, that first glory, the glory of the old covenant, was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way, the new covenant. So, if the old way, which, had been, which has been replaced, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new, which remains forever? So, if you compare the old covenant with the new, and just think about it, based on the immeasurably greater blessings of the new covenant, you know, should your response be to actually give less in this covenant based on the incredible increase in blessings? I, I say, in my opinion, no. <laughs> so I think, personally, that tithing or 10% should be a starting place. 
Now, some of you are like, wow, I don't know if there's any way I could do that. But I'll, I'll give you some suggestions later on on how you might start on that journey. Okay, we talked about the 100 times return earlier and about the guy who missed out on it. So we're going to l- learn a little about the guy who missed out on the 100 times return, and that was the rich young ruler. Most of you know the story of this. This rich young ruler comes to Jesus, and he asks him what he must do to get eternal life. And so after a little give and take, he told Jesus that he had been keeping all of the commandments. And then he said, so what do I still lack? And then Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And when the young man heard this, he was sad, and he went away because he had great wealth. Then if you pop over to Luke 10, after this happened, Peter said to him, Lord, we've given everything and followed you. And so Jesus then said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake or for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. A hundred times return promised by Jesus. So what was the issue with the rich young ruler in this, in this story? Well, first, he was perfect in every way except in being rich towards God. And second, he had more security in his own wealth than in Jesus. He really didn't grasp the power of Jesus to create wealth. You know, Jesus' first miracle was a wealth-creating miracle. We don't think about that too often. What was Jesus' first miracle? Water into wine. So there were six stone pots there that had 20 to 30 gallons of water and capacity. And he turned that into the equivalent of over 750 bottles of wine. And it was supposedly really good wine. So if it was worth, let's say, 100 bucks a bottle, that's $75,000 in value he created just like that. Quite a wedding gift, huh? (laughs) Another example, of course, was in Luke 5, Peter and the miraculous catch of fish. Why don't you throw your net on the other side? And so he did. And the catch was so big that it began to break the nets, and he called over his partner's boats. They filled up both boats. They were still sinking because the catch was so great. So this is not a normal catch. And so once you get the truth in your heart, trusting in your own wealth is absurd. And Peter got it. Even though he had just, you know, had, had the biggest haul of his life and had all that resources at his, at his fingertips, he turned his back on it and followed Jesus. So, you know, the re- your return, you, you, me, but people may ask, you know, is, is the return literally in kind, one for one dollar in, one hundred dollars out. Well, it might be, but it probably is at least partially uh, in other ways, and in my opinion, that's okay, because it, it would actually be even better if God gave me returns and things other than money, because money's great and all, but Jesus can give you things that money cannot buy. You know. What the Beatles say, money can't 
buy you love, can it? And it can't. How much is your health worth? How much is a good marriage worth? How much is peace worth? How much is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit worth? And I can go on and on. How much is eternal life worth? So, the hundredfold return is certain, but how it manifests in your life is really up to Jesus. The return includes, but is more than money. Okay. So, here is a treasure flow chart. Okay? So, first of all, this dot there, that represents your life here on earth. Just a short little time that we have here on earth. The line represents the eternity that we have in heaven awaiting those of us who have been redeemed. Okay? And then over there on the left is the you-can't-take-it-with-you filter. Okay? Can you guys recognize that's an air filter from an air conditioning system? So it filters out any treasure stored up here on earth and not given to God. Okay? So, for example, you may have a nice house here on earth, but man, hits that filter, didn't make it through. Sorry. <laughs> you may have a nice car. Nope, it can't make it through either. Again, sorry. You may have a nice dog, like Bingo here. So the question of the morning does B-I-N-G-O make it through the you-can't-take-it-with-you filter? Are you ready for the answer? I mean, this is PowerPoint, so everything on here has to be right, okay? All right, here we go. The definitive answer, I have no idea. <laughs> Sorry. I know you're wanting to know that. But what about heavenly treasure? Treasure that you stored up for heaven. Here it is. Here it comes. Can it make it through? Yes! It makes it through to heaven and is available forever. Is that exciting or what? I think we need a little more excitement. How about this? Woo! One more time. Woo! Hallelujah. We lay up treasure in heaven and it's there for us for eternity. But that's not all. Jesus talked about it. If you, just in that previous verse, if you lay up treasure in heaven, you get what's called a hundred times flow back to here on earth. What a crazy promise. Wow. Okay, well, let's talk about sowing and reaping now. And the main concept, don't eat your seed wheat. Not a good idea. My wife comes from a Mennonite heritage and... Uh, when the Mennonite farmers started immigrating into the United States from the Ukraine, they brought their seed wheat with them, and the women would actually uh, sew it into the garments, into the hems of their dresses when they came across on the boat so they would keep the seed wheat with them. And when they got over to the United States and went to Nebraska and Canada and Minnesota and the different places they went to, they planted that seed wheat, and they sowed and harvested it multiple times. One, one seed of wheat grows about 110 kernels. So it's about 100 to 1 return. I wonder where we heard that from. So, and so through the years, uh, the U.S. became the breadbasket of the world. You know, just thought, think about what would have happened if they would have eaten their seed wheat instead of sowing it. 
So you must sow the seed to reap the harvest. Now some returns are quick and some are not. So an example, and some are hidden. So an example of a quick return would be like carrots. You know, you plant the seed in the spring and you know, a few months go by and you've got the return. Other examples would be more like apples. You plant an apple seed and it's going to be several years, but the return is coming. It just it takes a little bit longer. I had a story about one that wasn't so quick. One time, uh, years ago, uh, my daughter, who's right back there, Katie, uh, we were, she was a teen, uh, grade school girl, and, and we were living in Enid at the time, and this brand-new science park opened up, outdoor kind of science playground museum. And on the first day it was open, we went to it, and she proceeded to climb up on something and ended up breaking her arm. And this was a point in our life where we really didn't have much money. And so the, the science park assured us they had insurance and they could pay for it. And I was like, that's great because, you know, I, it was like 11 or 1200 bucks or something like that. And so we were, they were going to pay for it. But then they called me into a meeting and this kind of ashen-faced director said, we didn't have the insurance set up yet because it was the first day it was open and we don't have insurance to pay for that. I was like, oh, man. So I said, okay, well, I won't worry about it. I'm not going to sue you or anything. I'll, I'll pay for it. So we set up this payment plan where if we paid the hospital $100 a month for a year or 12 months or something like that to pay for her arm. Well, a couple of years, a couple of years went by, and I was, in the, I was in the Internet business where I, one of the things I did was created websites for people and stuff. And this was back when that was early, early on in website development. And they ended up... That museum ended up getting this grant where they could create curriculum for people. And they decided instead of doing paper curriculum, they thought, well, why don't we just do a website? That way we can expand it to a lot more people. And so they called me up and said, would you do our website for us? And I said, sure. And they, they ended up paying me like over $10,000 to do their website. So two year, about two or three years later, I got a 10 times return on that. And some promises, some returns are hidden. You know, they're laid up in heaven. We don't even see them. We can't really do a one-to-one -one relationship between the giving and the return, but, but they are there. Jesus promises that. Okay, I think I'm going to pass through this. Yeah. It talks about the rewards of sowing. Well, I'm, I'm going to, the rewards of sowing and reaping. Paul talks about that in 2 Corinthians 9. Incredible rewards. He talks about, when you, whoever sows sparingly reaps sparingly, and whoever sows generously reaps generally, generously. And some of the promises that he has there in, in, in 6 through 15 of chapter 9 are crazy. All grace will abound to you. You will always have what you need when you need it. You will abound in every good work. Your seed and harvest will be enlarged, verse 10. You will be made rich in every way. You can be generous on every occasion. And God and you will be praised in prayer by the people who receive the blessing. So both you and God get praised in prayer. And he says at the end, thanks to God for this indescribable gift. And you know, giving to God is a gift. It's a gift to be able to do that. So, here's another flowchart, okay? Bingo is not on this flowchart, though, sorry. So, you start giving, and you lay up treasure in heaven. And then you get 100 times flow back 
here in this present life, which then gives you the ability to give a little bit more. And then your reward goes to heaven, and you're, you get a 100 times flow back. And then you get to give even more. It goes up to heaven and flows back here on earth. And on and on and on it goes. So, laying up treasure in heaven. So how do you start? Maybe you want to do this you think, man, there's, still, there's already not enough money at the end of the month as it is. How do we do this? So, start with the measure of faith that you have. You know, maybe, maybe the crazy giving to you is 3%, 4%, 5%. Maybe to you that's crazy. You've never even thought about that. So start with that. And then maybe create a plan to give more over time as God blesses you. Uh, one other thing you might do is give progressively as your income grows. I remember one time, you know, Catherine and I tried to be pretty uh, faithful in tithing through the years, but in the early 2000s, we went through a real buzzsaw financially and spiritually and everything else to where, you know, we were just sent reeling. And so we had quit giving uh, very much at all. And then as, as our income started to go up a little bit, you know, we had this infamous walk that we talk about one time in our neighborhood where on that walk we had that we put this plan together of once we got to a certain level, we were going to start buying health insurance again. And once we got to another level, we were going to start giving again. And once we got to another level, we were going to try to replace the, the roof on our house. And we, we came up with this plan that if we ever got to a certain income level, everything that we made above that, we were going to give a greater percentage over, the, over a tithe, over 10%, we, a higher percentage. And it was this number that it was like, at the time, it was like, you know, it was way up there and probably thought never happened, you know. Well, the years went by, and one day I was thinking, and I was reminded of that promise, and at that point, our income was way above that limit. And we had not been doing that extra percentage. And I talked to my wife about it. I said, do you remember back there years ago when we talked about this? She said, yeah. I said, I think we need to start doing that. And so we did. And so that's one way that you can do that, just kind of plan for the future. You might look for ways that you can create more margin. You know, how can we spend less? Or how can we make more in certain areas so that we can give more? And you might try to keep the state, same standard of living you currently have as your income grows. A lot of times people, every time they get a raise, they immediately go do something to spend it. Maybe you can try to stay where you're at and use that extra income to give more. And of course... You always want to ask and obey the Holy Spirit uh, and, and do what he says. And then, of course, test God. He said you could. So, you know, it's perfectly okay if you say, God, we're going to go for it. We're going to do this amount. But if it doesn't work out, you know, we're going to back back off again. God says that's okay. You can test him. In fact, he, he commands that you can do it. And then lastly, you know, I'd say... Try to keep quiet about it. You know, the Bible says in, in uh, Sermon on the Mount, you know, when you give, don't shout it from the mountaintops. Uh, don't, let, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So if you want to keep your heavenly reward, try to keep it to yourself so that you can have that forever. So 
this is just kind of a vision I have, you know, as, as giving increases here at the church, you know, what would I like to see happen here at the church? Uh, you know, first of all, you know, we give 10% of our income to missions. So as giving increases, you know, we'll be able to give more money to missions. And maybe even the future, even that percentage might be able to go up a bit. Uh, I'd like to see our staff salaries commensurate with the value. You know, many of our staffers uh, haven't had a, a, a salary increase for many years just because we've been going through a lot of transitions through, you know, changing denominations and leadership and COVID and everything else. That giving's been kind of really up and down and kind of wonky, and, and so it's really been hard to really pay the people uh, like we'd like to pay them. Um, I'd like to do more church planning. You know, we were able to plant the church in Guam, and you know, two, four of our members, Rock and Bev, and, and Mike and Christy Adele are there right now doing a great work there, holding marriage seminars and parenting classes and stuff, and it's going really well. But we'd like to do more church planning. I'd like to remember the poor more. We're doing that to some extent now. We're so excited about what God's doing here. But I'll let God to give us new ideas about how we can remember the poor. You know, I'd like eventually to have new staff positions that can facilitate ministry growth and where we can reach out and do more kingdom work in different areas. And then lastly, we have this vision for an All Saints training school. You know, a lot of the seminaries today are not really fulfilling the need that we need for people who are being trained properly in, in both the, the, the scriptures and also the ministry of God in a supernatural way. And we just feel like that the vision that God has given us for that school would be very, very beneficial for the kingdom, both here at the church and with our local area and even throughout the world as we can now, you know, you can do schools online and touch people from throughout the entire world. So, here's an invitation. Let's join together in the supernatural, wonderful, faith-filled journey of laying up treasures in heaven. How about it? Are you with me? <laughs> yeah. Woo! Why don't we read this scripture together? The scripture from Matthew 6, 19 through 21. You ready? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. All right, so we, can we go ahead and have the ministry team and the worship team come on up? We're going to be praying for healing. If any of you have anything in your body where you need healed, if you guys could all stand also. And I'd also like to kind of just say a prayer together on laying up treasures in heaven. So let's, let's close our eyes and pray to the Lord together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of giving. We thank you for the opportunity we have to lay up treasures in heaven. 
And Lord, we ask that you would just touch each of us in a new way. And speak to us about what you would have for us to do in this regard, Lord. We're so thankful for the incredible promises that you've given us in this regard. And we ask for more faith to believe them. And we ask, Lord, that as we believe them, that we just claim those promises, that you will open the storehouses of heaven and pour your blessings down upon us in such a great way that we won't have enough room for it. We'll just have to keep giving out to other people, to other causes. So we're thankful for that. Thankful for what you're going to do in us and through us as we partner with you in this new journey. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name.